0: Hey, it's Sandy. Welcome to WTF. What's the function? Positive reinforcement, shaping, evidence-based, operant conditioning. Do any of these sound familiar? Sure. But do you know what they all have in common? These are all buzzwords from the science of learning and behavior, applied behavior analysis, AKA ABA. A quick Google of ABA will bring up pages and pages pertaining to autism. ABA is well known for the remarkable progress that children diagnosed with autism make through behavioral interventions. What is lesser known is that it has completely revolutionized our field of applied animal behavior. Don't believe me, that clicker in your key ring, the whistle around your neck, those are because of ABA. What we know as a bridge was originally studied as a conditioned reinforcer over 50 years ago. Do you have an animal other than maybe a tortoise at your facility that has been around that long? ABA isn't new. So what is applied behavior analysis? It's the science of learning and behavior. When I was a baby trainer, I always heard, animal training is an art and science. This is the science part to that. So what is behavior? Behavior is any external or internal observable and measurable act of an organism. The single concept that made the biggest change in how I work with animals is how I understand what behavior is. I was always decent with providing enrichment, but really anybody can be decent with enrichment so long as they're making an effort to do something. My enrichment logs always read something like increasing activity, increasing foraging, decreased pacing. Those are my goal behaviors. Now, while those are great goals, they aren't quite specific enough. So let's take foraging, for example. If you work with domestics, imagine a client filling up a Kong wobbler with kibble before leaving the house. Both you and the pet owner are watching through a pet camera. If you work with exotics, let's say intern filled a boomer ball with pellets for a zebra. You and your intern observe together. Your instructions are to record the time spent foraging. Your data shows 10 minutes, theirs shows two. Why is there such a huge gap in inner observer agreement? How did two people watching the same thing at the same time with the same instructions get completely different data? The targeted behavior wasn't clearly defined. Merriam-Webster defines foraging as both to wander and search a forage and to secure forage. You are both right by your own definition. So a critical component of ABA is clearly defining your target behavior and ensuring that it is both observable and measurable. So now that you have identified and clearly defined a target behavior, what do you do? Collect data. Functional behavior assessments can be as simple or as complex as you want, from ABC observations all the way up to a functional analysis, which in and of itself is super badass, but that is like a whole nother talk. For now, let's talk about the ABCs. A, antecedent, B, behavior, C, consequence. The antecedent comes directly before the target behavior, B, the behavior, and the consequence comes directly after the behavior. Behavior can be controlled both by modifying the antecedent or the consequence. The trick is figuring out exactly what those are by observing and collecting data. Something that sets ABA apart from everything else is that the behaviors chosen as target behaviors have some social significance to the animal. How immediately important is this behavior to the animal? Is decreasing this particular behavior going to benefit the animal? What about a cotton top who spends a majority of the day self-grooming, to the point of bare arms. Are they spending enough time with conspecifics to form those necessary relationships? The same can be said for increasing a target behavior. A dolphin who voluntarily participates in hydration through tubing is a pretty big deal, as are any husbandry behaviors being trained. Choice and control is something that we talk a lot about in zoos. If increasing a behavior or decreasing a behavior can afford an animal choice and control over their environment, It's a good bet that you've chosen a socially significant behavior. Okay, so back to our functional assessment, our ABCs of behavior. Let's use a counter surfing dog for example. You made dinner, you made your plate. You set your plate on the counter and you run to the bathroom so you can binge season three of Stranger Things. You come back to grab your plate, but now it's clean. Your scruffy faced companion looks pretty pleased with himself. How would you assess the behavior of counter surfing? The antecedent would be the reheated pizza on the counter, the behavior is the dog jumping up onto the counter, and the consequence is the dog eats your reheated pizza that was on the counter. What do you think will happen in the future regarding counter surfing? Do you think that his behavior of jumping up on your counters will decrease after receiving a slice of pizza? Probably not, likely it'll increase, but the only way to know is to see what happens in the future. The next morning, you see him checking out what's for breakfast on the counter. He's being reinforced by the goodies he grabs off the counter. So now what? ABA says that you should check the literature to see if there are interventions that have been used successfully in the past that research has shown to be effective. Now this to me is really cool. While the use of ABA in domestics and in zoos is relatively new, it's been used with animals in labs and in applied settings with humans for over 60 years. The Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis, or JABA, has decades of research, protocols, replications, all peer-reviewed, all just waiting for you. It just may as well be written in another language because of all the jargon. When I started my master's program, I cried every night reading the literature. Partially because I was pregnant and the mom of a toddler, but mostly because I didn't understand what I was reading. For every word I had to look up was an equally unknown concept sitting right behind it. My goal with the podcast is to build a bridge between the library of literature that already exists on learning and behavior and you, the animal trainer, the keeper, the aquarist, the person who spends more time with the animals in their care than their own family. Okay, so back to ABA. You've looked at the literature and you found an intervention that has been successful under similar circumstances. Now you're writing up your behavior intervention plan, your training plan. Your goal should be to write it up so precisely that it could be replicated by the intern, because that's the goal. Whether you're successful in modifying the targeted behavior or not, this can help someone else. It can also help you through troubleshooting. So there are a few more things to ensure that we're on the right track. When modifying a target behavior, we should be able to show that we've gained control over that behavior, that we can both turn it on and turn it off we can increase and decrease that behavior, which can be terrifying for behaviors like stereotypies or anything that falls under the umbrella of aggression. But that's a all on its own. We do need to demonstrate control. We also need to make sure that our interventions are effective and that's done through constant data collection. Here's where recording training sessions comes in handy. Let's say we're looking at a blood draw from a tiger's tail. We're increasing duration for a still tail. It's really easy in the moment to mix up two seconds, three seconds, four seconds, but there's a massive difference in those lengths of time. Not to mention a three second increase in duration is cause for celebration. While a consistent drop by one second is reason for reevaluation. Here is where we let ego go. A few shitty sessions do not make you a bad trainer, not realizing and correcting ineffective interventions that does. Lastly, generalization. It's so important when modifying behaviors because you can walk your dog loose on a leash in your neighborhood, but can you walk them loose on a leash on trails, the farmer's market? You can get a practice poke on a hippo hiney when you're alone, but what happens when the vet comes in? I know this is a lot to consider, so why is ABA important? If you work with domestics, the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, The Association of Professional Dog Trainers and the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers have a joint standard of practice that says that you are responsible for ensuring learner success through a consistent, systematic approach that identifies a specific target behavior, the purpose of that behavior, and the consequences that maintain the behavior. I mean, to me, that sounds a whole lot like we all need to be brushing up on our ABA. Are you working with exotics? The AZA or the Association of Zoos and Aquariums mandates that training programs should be based on current animal training best practice, a program that facilitates science. It doesn't get more scientific than the science of learning and behavior. Training, hint, hint. The only point of this podcast is to try and create an accessible resource for anyone who wants to be a better trainer. Something to listen to on your drive to work or to get your wheels turning. If there's a concept you want me to talk about, find me on Instagram by searching my name, Sandy McPadden, or shoot me an email at sandymcpadden at gmail.com. Have fun, be kind, and always ask yourself, what's the function?